Welcome to Whole and Holy, the Bethel Seminary podcast. I'm Dr. Peter Vogt. I'm the Dean of Bethel Seminary, and I'm the host of this podcast. And I'm pleased today to introduce to you Joe Boyd. Joe is the lead pastor of Grace Fellowship Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. In uh, previous ministries, he's been recognized for leading one of the top 100 fastest growing churches in the United States. In fact, the 65th fastest growing church in the U.S. He also started a church that started 10 new churches in, in 10 years. He's married to Michelle Boyd, and they have three adopted sons together. And today we're going to be talking about rethinking evangelism. Joe, thanks so much for being on the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, Joe, let's jump in. You know, when some people hear the word evangelism, I think they, for a lot of people, they immediately start to sweat. They envision going door to door, seeking to share the, the gospel with people who, who don't want to hear, maybe getting the door slammed in their face. They think about stopping people on the street and, and seeking to share the gospel with them. And, and those ideas scare them to death or, or turn them off. Uh, and yet we're commanded to make disciples, which includes reaching out to lost people. So What's a better way to conceive of evangelism? Well, I, I think there's two ways of thinking about it, but I'd like to begin by telling a story that I think will set the stage. Um, I, I'm a, a church planter uh, and really committed to evangelism. I didn't always know I was, but um, but whenever I had a radical encounter with Jesus, I I wanted other people to have the same thing. And in my journey to plant a church, I had a conversation with a man who um, had planted a church and done a really good job. And, um, and I was scared. I was scared to do it. I was scared to start a church, step out on uh, faith and walk away from a secure job and uh, a church that I love to, to go to a place I'd never been. So I, I felt uncomfortable. And mm -hmm. I, I believe that a lot of people, when it comes to evangelism, feel uncomfortable. Yeah. But he shared this story with me that really struck me. He said that uh, every night he reads uh, Bible stories with his kids and, um, and he asks them this question, who do you identify with in the story? And mm -hmm. so he told the story of Zacchaeus and some people know the song Zacchaeus was a wee little man and wee little man was he, but the story comes from Luke 19 and Jesus was on his way to walking through Jericho. And there's this, this man, his name was Zacchaeus and he was a tax collector, which made him um, public enemy number one amongst mm -hmm. the, the people who lived there because uh, they were known for being a cheat and they would uh, tax people beyond their means. And he was lining his pockets with sure. other people's resources. But there was such a large crowd of people that followed Jesus that he knew he wasn't going to be able to see him. So he ran a crowd, uh, ran ahead of the crowd and he climbed up in this sycamore tree and he gets out on this branch. And, and there's this point where Jesus is walking through and he stops and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus and he comes eye to eye with him. Mm -hmm. And and he invites himself to, to have a meal at Zacchaeus' house. And it shocks people because they're like, he's a sinner. And he goes on to, um, to, to meet with him. Zacchaeus' life is forever changed. Um, and in fact, it even says that salvation has come uh, mm -hmm. through this experience. And, and so he, he stops and he says to his kids, who do you identify with in the story? And his daughter... Um, and his son were sitting there and his son's a little younger. And he said, well, you know, I, I kind of feel like the crowd. I just want to be where Jesus is. Hmm. 
I said, oh, that's really good, son. And, and his daughter was a little older and said, well, who do you identify with? And, and she said, well, you know, I know I'm not Jesus, but I identify with him because I look around and I see people in our community that maybe don't know Jesus. And that breaks my heart. Hmm. And he said, oh, that's, that's so good. And then they did something they normally never do. They turned the question on him and said, dad, who are you in the story? Hmm. And he thought about that. And he said he had a Holy Spirit moment because he had worked with a group of people to start a church that was reaching people that didn't know Jesus. And he said, I'm the tree. Hmm. See, if somebody hadn't gone long ahead and planted a seed, that tree would not have grown. And if that tree had not grown, Zacchaeus would not have had a way to, to look past the crowds mm-hmm. and come eye to eye with Jesus and have his life forever changed. Hmm. And, and what makes that even more significant is that my background is I, I, I went to pharmacy school before I became a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so when I see words in the Bible, I, I really dive in and say, you know, why does it say a sycamore tree versus just another kind of tree? Mm-hmm. And, and when I did the research, sycamore trees um, in those days were used for a very specific purpose. They were actually used to make coffins, but hmm. under modern medical uh, research, they found that there are medicinal purposes, life-saving purposes in the sycamore tree hmm. itself. And so, so literally Zacchaeus, when he climbs up in the tree is hanging in the balance between life and death. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that changes everything is Jesus. Hmm. So, so that's the, that's the first thought that I would have is that if you go on to read Luke 19 verse 10, it says that the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now, I felt uncomfortable about starting a church. I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable about evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a second thought that we need to remember is that there are different styles um, of evangelism. Uh, for instance, when we think of evangelism, we think of the guy with the bullhorn, uh, mm-hmm. maybe on a college campus or in a public forum. And we think, oh, man, I could never do that. Or, man, that's really intrusive. And, and the, the fact is, that's a confrontational style. Mm-hmm. But there's also an intellectual style. I mean, academics have an opportunity to explain and, and, and walk through logically with people. Testimonial style is another one that, that we can share our stories with mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. In interpersonal friendship to friendship, some people would never get in front of a crowd and they would never put themselves out. But the thought of their friend not going to heaven would be so compelling that they would mm-hmm. share. Mm-hmm. I think there's an invitational style. It's that come and see, like we're going to have this event at church. Easter is mm-hmm. one of those things. Like we, we know they're going to hear the gospel. And so you invite your friends to that, or you invite your friend to a, a Billy Graham crusade, or you invite your friend to something where they're going to hear it. And then, and then the last one is a serving style. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they've done really well with this through servant evangelism, where you serve people in a really practical way. And when they ask that question, why would you do this? You say, because Jesus loves you and I want to show Jesus in a practical way. And it opens that door. Mm-hmm. And so when we realize that evangelism is more multifaceted, it takes the scary out of it because I think we can all see ourselves in one of those six formats um, without thinking that we have to be the confrontational person. Mm-hmm. It reminds me when I was, uh, I was in the Navy and had a, somebody that I worked with was a, a believer who would go and he would go door to door, which that is not my, that is not my style. That's not you know, that mm-hmm. confrontational style. And, and he would talk about how 
you know, he'd get doors slammed in his face all the time, but he didn't care. And he would just go on to the next place. And what surprised me was that, that it ever worked, <laughs> but, but there were times where he'd talk about knock on the door and, and people would invite him in. They'd share the gospel. They'd commit their lives to Christ. They start coming to coming to church. And, and I, I think it reinforces what you're talking about that, you know, he was very gifted in that sort of confrontational style. That's not my style, but, uh, but that was right for him. And, and it, it worked. It made a, it made a difference, but it's the idea that there's not a one size fits all, I think is, is really, really important. Well, along those same lines, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, a lot of people who work in sales will, will say that, you know, the magic number is seven, one in seven on average will say yes mm. to their product or their offer or whatever they have. And so salespeople, which make up an enormous amount of the, the work population in America, mm -hmm. and a lot of percentages of people are in church, um, they understand that there is somebody out there that's ready for mm. their product or service. And so I think a lot of confrontational, um, like style evangelists, think there's there's someone knocking on the door there's someone who's been waiting i just need to go find them yeah and so they're willing to hear the nose to find that one person mm -hmm. that is is ready to receive what god has to offer and so mm -hmm. i think it's just a different way of thinking about it mm -hmm. that that probably their tolerance for for rejection or no <laughs> is much higher sure. um than a lot of us uh, but 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 I do think it's good to think about that and to consider that in our normal work environments, we're already doing these kinds of things. Sure. Um, yeah. It's just the difference is, are we doing it for Jesus? Yeah. Well, let's pull back a little bit. Let's go to the sort of 50,000 foot uh, view on this. Why why should churches and individuals care about evangelism? I mean, we, there's the obvious thing because we're supposed to, but but let's unpack that a little bit more. You know, why why should we think about our, our individual style and what works for us with, with evangelism or, or why should churches really be, be thinking about this? What, how would you respond to that? Yeah. I, I mean, Peter, I think, I think you're right that there's this idea that it's something that we are obligated to do, but I actually think it's something that we get to do. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, there's a point in our life where around Christmas, we like receiving gifts. Mm -hmm. But I think that there's a point where we, we realize it's not about us. And then we get great joy in giving the gifts. Yeah. And we, we try to recreate some of those experiences we had. We want our kids to have a better experience than we've had. Mm -hmm. so, so with that kind of paradigm in, in mind, I would say that, that Jesus clearly cared about it. Mm -hmm. um, right? He, he came to seek and save the lost. Um, he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to pay his life for ransom. Um, and then he did. He gives this great commission to go and tell. But let's take it a step further than the obvious there. Um, I think that the audience that's listening to this, I would assume uh, that it's a Christian audience. Mm -hmm. Most people that care about evangelism in a biblical sense are Christian. Mm -hmm. And none of us would even be here entertaining this conversation if somebody hadn't paid the price to invest time energy and effort for that to happen mm -hmm. now the way that happens is different for different people like if you grew up in a church where it was you know the focus was we're going to make disciples we're going to evangelize children um you go to a vbs you go to sunday school you go to church mm -hmm. you, you're experiencing this process in an integrated holistic approach mm -hmm. 
but there's a lot of people who are not in churches. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, do we care about our friends, our family? Do we care about our acquaintances, the people that we work with? How do we reach out to them and help them experience the things that we've experienced? Mm-hmm. And so I think the bigger picture of evangelism is that we are paying forward something that we didn't pay for in the first place. Mm. So it costs us nothing yeah. um, other than time, energy, effort, um, you know, making it a priority. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that um, if we see it as an obligation, um, then then I would really ask the question, have we ever really had that radical encounter with Jesus that Zacchaeus did, where our heart has changed? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's really hard to sell something that you don't personally believe in. Sure. Um, but but sharing with other people is pretty simple. Like we tell people all the time about a great movie that we we saw, a great book that we've read, um, a place that has great steak. If you eat steak, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we 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 talk about the things that we're passionate about or have good experiences with, um, and and so I think that really it's about us paying it forward and helping free people um, from the the bondage of loneliness or lack of purpose. Um, and like Zacchaeus hanging in that balance of life and death, Mm. um, I think we're in a rescue mission. And I I think that's why we should care about it because we get to be a part of helping people experience liberation, freedom, and life. Mm. That's great. What's your sense of the role of the church in this? I mean, is this best understood as something that individual followers of Jesus do? Is there a, a broader community role in this? How, how do you see that? Well, I, I think it's I think it's a both and I think it's a responsibility, a call of Christians, and I also think that it is um, uh, purpose of the church. So, whenever the Great Commission was established, the church was not established at that mm-hmm. point. So, the command to go and make disciples, to you know, essentially evangelize, baptize, and disciple, has always been a primary mission of the individual disciples. But I think that we're called to be the church, which is that holistic approach where all the giftings, all the talents, all the like where more people can engage in that family Mm -hmm. um, is better. And so uh, there are people that have a spiritual gift of evangelism. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at Ephesians, it says that, but, but I, but I want us to be really careful that just because certain people have gifts it's not an excuse for the body as a whole to participate in. Mm. Um, so I'll give you a practical example. Like, you know me, you've met me. I'm a big guy, right? And, and just because I'm a big guy and I don't like going to the gym doesn't mean that I get a pass on going to the gym. <laughs> like, I, I need to be healthy. I, you know, biblically, I need to be healthy. I need to be there for my family. I need to, you know, like, like live to my potential. Um, now, I'm not great at it. I go in there and I see people that like they, they worked out the machines better than I do. Um, but I go because one, I, I feel an obligation to. But the other thing is when I do it, the longer I do it, the, the more benefit I start to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And then I start to develop a joy and a, and, a, and a hunger for it. And it doesn't come naturally. So I think that the church, the responsibility of the church is to help spur one another on. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all going to be like weak at some point, we're all going to have moments where we're down, we're, but, but when one of us succeeds, it inspires the rest of us to want to follow that action. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think that as a church, um, we have that opportunity. So here's the simplest way to put it. Um, when the first disciples were meeting Jesus, 
they would tell people, come and see. Like mm-hmm. Peter heard from his brother, Andrew, I think I've, you know, come and see, I think I found this Messiah. But then there's a shift when these disciples start to spend time with Jesus that he's saying now go and tell. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that there's a come and see approach. You're inviting people to something to experience this. And I think that's something that we could do through the church. People can invite people to church and experiences, invitational events. But I also think there's a point where God's calling us as you mature, as you grow, as you get this, step out on faith and go and tell, go to the ends of the earth, reach the people that are not going to come to church. Mm -hmm. Because studies show that like 60% of all the people in our communities are not going to come to a church the way that we traditionally attractionally set it up. Mm. Um, and so it's not an either, or it's a both hand mm-hmm. approach. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our listeners are, are pastors and they may be listening to this and thinking, boy, I'd like to, I'd like to see my church be more effective in this aspect of ministry. What are some, uh, advice that you have for what's some advice you have for those pastors or church leaders who want to, who want to see their churches more effective, their, the members of their congregation more empowered in this area? I would say that if you're not naturally evangelistic, and that's okay. I mean, I have a lot of like friends, they're pastors that are way, way stronger at, at things than, than I am. Um, but I would say that surround yourself and get around people that are more evangelistic because it's more caught than taught a lot of times. Okay. Um, we, we find in our training that, that, we can explain it, go through a book and people don't get it. But when you go to a restaurant and you sit down and you start having a, a conversation or they see it in motion, it takes all the scary out of it mm-hmm. and, and they start to get it. So uh, number one, I would say it, it has to be a priority. It has to be a personal priority of uh, the, the lead pastor and the, the staff at the church, because here's the thing you reproduce who you are, not what you want. Mm. Like if you grow up and you see your kids grow up and and you're like, "Ah, I don't really like how that worked out. It's a product of what we did and Mm -hmm. who we are. Mm -hmm. And so, so if we want to see change, we start with ourselves and then other people begin to catch on to that. Um, But now in saying that, I want to make, I want to make this statement, something I learned um, in my personal journey in the past three years is that, um, I was very focused on evangelism every week. I make an invitation every week. Whoever's preaching in our church always makes an invitation. We've had three years straight without, like nobody's not made a decision. Hmm. Um, And, but what we're conditioning people to is you just bring them to church and then we'll make the presentation. Hmm. And the truth is very few people that attend a church are ever going to have the opportunities that pastors have to be on a platform mm-hmm. with a group of people who are there for the purpose of hearing about God, mm-hmm. whether they believe or not, and then in an uninterrupted way, make a presentation and call for a response. Hmm. So as I started to do personal evangelism in the community, I started to realize this is really hard. This is why a lot of people aren't succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've, I've admitted that to our church, that this is, this is the hardest form of evangelism I do. So what I did was I changed, I still make the invitations, but I start to salt and pepper in stories of personal evangelism that work and didn't work mm. so that they can start to see themselves in those scenarios and go, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I share stories about sharing my faith with someone else in the community, I have more people say, I really appreciated that than they do in just about any other format uh, mm-hmm. of teaching. Um, so we need to model that for them mm-hmm. and, and, and give them that kind of low hanging fruit opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say ultimately, um, if, if you don't know how to do it, uh, get a coach. I mean, even, even Michael Jordan, arguably one of the best basketball players ever had a coach mm-hmm. and, and there's no shame in that. Mm-hmm. Um, because they can help you develop these skills that maybe you don't have. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that you've done that you found effective uh, in terms of, in terms of personal evangelism? What are, what are some of the things, can you share one of those, one of those stories, uh, something yeah. that worked? Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> um, in, in learning how to do personal evangelism in an environment post pandemic, um, a lot of things changed. Um, mm-hmm. So before it was very hard to meet your neighbors outside because mm-hmm. most people would just drive in their garage and close the doors. Sure. During the pandemic, people were so tired of being inside that they would come outside and they would walk the streets and, you know, they wouldn't get close, but you could always get within talking distance. Mm-hmm. Um, the few places that were open, you could have some conversation at um, like a diner, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Um, here's what, here's what I found. You start with the relationship listen to them, get to know people, get to know their name, find out a little bit about them. Um, because if you're interested in them, they're going to be interested in you. Mm-hmm. And this particular style that I'm talking about is more of a testimonial style, mm-hmm. um, where you, you hear their story, you share your story and, and ultimately you're going to tell them God's story. Mm. Um, so, um, number one, start by getting to know people. That's the biggest thing when it comes to trying to initiate a relationship with somebody in a food service area. Um, this is a real simple one. Everybody could do um, before you pray uh, when they bring the food, the server, the person that, that serves you just stop and say, you know, listen, I know you've had a really, really tough year or two years. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to pray for this meal, but is there anything we could pray for you? Mm. And I have found that, that there has not been one person that's ever looked at, at me or the table and said, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, not one. Yeah. Not one. And so it opens up that conversation. And then as you keep coming back, you ask about those things. So true story, I was with a group of pastors that were meeting for the purpose of, of setting up a way that we can start talking about evangelism. Mm-hmm. We go to this uh, restaurant and... Um, we're, we're sitting there talking about how can we evangelize? How can we evangelize? And this lady serves us and I stopped and I just said, Hey, listen, can we pray for you? And she starts to cry mm. and said, my mom is so sick and I am so upset about this and I don't know what to do. And I said, can we pray that, that, that Jesus would, would intervene? And she said, yeah. And this is 30 miles away from where I live. So I don't go there very often. Um, but it's amazing barbecue. So I do go back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but as I went back, every time I went in, she, she would like update me, like my mom's doing better. My mom's doing better. And slowly over the course of a year, mm-hmm. I was able to get to the point where I was able to share my story. I heard her story. And then I was able to share God's story with her. And, um, and, and she just sat back and was like, I've never heard it this simple before. Hmm. And, and I had to intentionally go back. I went at one 30 in the afternoon so that I knew they were on the tail end of that shift mm. 
so that she wouldn't feel pressed or have somebody around her. Um, but that was that was a real significant moment. Um, and so here's the thing. It's not one and done. Like, man, mm-hmm. boom, I want somebody to Jesus. It, it It's going to take time. Mm-hmm. And um, and you're going to have to be consistent and come back. And so that that's just one that really stands out. And several people that we've coached um, to, to do testimonial evangelism in our church have similar stories with neighbors and with mm-hmm. people out in restaurants. And, um, and, and, you know, it doesn't work every time, but very few people get upset because you cared enough to share something with them. Yeah. And that's a great, uh, that's a great example in, in lots of ways. But one of the things that struck me is kind of what you said is that yeah, that's a that's a significant investment of time in the sense of I mean maybe not every week or month or however you went however often you went but but just you know a year of of praying for this person and checking in with them and and all that I think I think sometimes people do have this idea that says you know, we, we read in the gospels of invitations and people converting and, and Peter preaches a sermon and 3000 people commit their lives to, to Christ. And this idea that this should be kind of that one and done sort of thing, there's going to be this one encounter that's going to be significant. And I know that that can happen. I mentioned that colleague of mine from the, the ship when I was in the Navy, but, but at least in my experience, it's far more like what you're describing than, than that, uh, you know, at least how God has used me has been much more investment of time over uh, a significant period of time that then pays pays dividends as opposed to just a a one time conversation that results in someone committing their life to Christ. Yeah, I, I also think the urgency of a situation can can escalate somebody's thoughts about the end. Mm. Um, like I, you know, I've I've gone to hospitals for people for me to pray for people mm-hmm. that were near the end of their life. Mm-hmm. And and they are more motivated in that moment to hear about this and sure. make a decision. Um, I think the longer we think, well, I've got time, mm. we're we're less likely to do it. But but when it comes to this time thing, listen, like very few people have babies faster than eight to nine months. <laughs> and so if, if we know it takes time for, mm-hmm. for, for, you know, a, a new child to come into this world, um, I think that we need to be okay with the fact that it may take some time. Mm-hmm. It's about intentionally moving forward in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but in moments of crisis, people are more open, mm-hmm. like in our communities, when, when people are in tension and transition, they're most open to hearing about God. When somebody's tense, like we've gone through the pandemic, you know, the, the, the term prayer shot through the roof hmm. in Google searches. So hmm. people are more open to spiritual conversations now than yeah. they were pre-pandemic. Um, but the other one is that that's tension, but then there's transition. When people move, like when somebody's new to the community, they're looking for friends. And if Christians will just make friendship a priority, mm-hmm. caring mm-hmm. about their neighbors, then they're more likely to get engaged in that community. And then they're going to start to hear about it because mm-hmm. there's a lady that's in, 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 in my small group. Um, and we didn't know she wasn't a believer. Uh, mm-hmm. I knew her husband was, but I didn't know she wasn't. And she was on the fence and we had a conversation about baptism. She's like, well, I, I still don't know if I really believe this or not. Mm-hmm. And, and it's been over a year, but she's now at the place where she says, I'm a baby Christian. She's, she's made the decision. It took time, Yeah, but all of that came from a friendship. She mm. was invited to the group because 
Um, our kids, both of our kids uh, swim and my wife invited her to come and be a part. They were new to the community. Hmm. She got plugged in. She wasn't opposed, um, but she wasn't convinced. Yeah. And so she came and got involved in a group and, um, and it changed her life. Hmm. So sometimes it takes time. Yeah. So what resources can you recommend for people who are trying to think about how they can be most effective in this kind of ministry? Are there particular books or, or other resources that you would recommend for folks? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a, there's a few, um, for people that are interested in finding out more about the statistics, if you're the kind of person that wants to know more about that, um, there's a book called you found me, uh, it's new research on how unchurched nuns, millennials, and irreligious are surprisingly open to the Christian faith. Um, that's a, that's a really, really good book. It's Rick Richards. Um, and he's with the Wheaton, um, um, uh, evangelism cohort, mm-hmm. um, uh, initiative. And, uh, they're, they're always updating their information on the post pandemic. Um, another good one is, uh, if you're, if you're a pastor and you're interested in how do we, how do I do this organically, um, without feeling manufactured, yeah. there's a organic outreach for churches, and it's how to infuse evangelistic passion in your local congregation. And that's uh, Kevin Harney. Um, and he does a great job on that. He even wrote a companion book for organic outreach for everyday ordinary people hmm. um, that follows suit. And so both of those are really good resources uh, for people that are interested in really um, taking the evangelism outside their church. And um, and doing testimonial evangelism, mm-hmm. um, an organization that I know Converge is partnering with is uh, the Timothy Initiative, mm-hmm. and they're, they're they're wildly successful internationally, but they're just getting started in the U.S. Okay, because for whatever reason, the U.S. has been slow to this this model that's worked elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But they do a thing called micro churches, uh-huh. and um, it's really really effective and. Um, um, and they're starting to see traction in this where it's working. Um, and, and it, you got to start somewhere. And yeah. so those are, those are three resources, um, that I would put out there. Um, and then I just make a personal invitation. Anybody who's really like saying, Hey, I'd like to see this. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like to do an evangelistic sermon. I'm not sure. Um, I want to work with anybody who mm. wants to reach people for Christ. But I think that that working with your your church team um, and doing those types of events, I think it's if you see it in motion and get some training, um, if somebody wants to reach out, I'm happy to invest uh, time and energy into that because that's a mission that I believe God's put on my heart to help other pastors succeed in this area. And and so those are just uh, some of the ways that I think some of the resources that I would recommend. Great. Well, we will um, make sure that there are links in the show notes to all of those resources, including, if you're okay with it, Joe, I'll put the link to your church uh, website in the, yeah. uh, in the show notes so folks can go there and, and see things, maybe, maybe download sermons or connect with you if, uh, if appropriate, that sort of thing. Sure. So we will we'll certainly make sure that uh, those are available to folks. Awesome. Our time is gone. I could, uh, I could keep talking about this. It's been a great conversation, but thank you so much for being a part of this episode and, and having this conversation with us. It's been a, a real blessing to have you be a part of the whole and holy podcast. It's a real pleasure, real pleasure. And I enjoy the podcast myself. You're doing a great job. Thank you.
Well, thanks for listening to the Whole and Holy podcast. Uh, if you have comments or suggestions for future episodes or any feedback you'd like to give us, please feel free to uh, email us at whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. Once again, that's whole-and-holy at bethel.edu. We'd appreciate it if you would subscribe and, and rate us. It makes it easier for people to find us. If you're looking at finding us on Stitcher or iTunes or anything like that, the, if you rate us, uh, the, the higher our rating, then people can find us. So thanks for tuning in and God bless you. Thank you for listening to Whole and Holy. This podcast is a production of Bethel Seminary in collaboration with Bethel University's Office of Church Relations. Please share your feedback with us, including ideas you'd like to see in future episodes, by emailing us at wholeandholy at bethel.edu. Once again, that address is wholeandholy at bethel.edu. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.